Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. Uh, We have been in the Gospel of John. If you don't know what the Gospel of John is, there's uh, four Gospels in the Bible. What are they? Anybody know? They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we've been going through John, and I thought we were going to go a little quicker than we are, but we're only in chapter 3, and we've been doing this for 13 weeks. I'm just... I'm kidding about that. We've been doing it for a little while, but we're in John chapter 3. We looked at Nicodemus last week. We've been talking about the gospel a lot for the last couple weeks, and actually the number of weeks we've been talking about the gospel. And the gospel is the good news. And the good news that Jesus is the one who came and died in our place, came and died for our sins, that that is the gospel message. That is the good news. That is what the Bible points to all through Scripture is pointing to Jesus. And we've been talking a lot about that in our times together on Sunday morning. And, and, some, and for a little bit, I started to get concerned because I know that some of you that are here each week or some of you that are watching online each week, you're like, all right, we get it. We get it, the gospel. <laughs> but what I see in Scripture is that the gospel is the power of God to change people's lives. And so that we must talk about the gospel. We must talk about what Jesus has done because it's a big deal. And we're going to talk a lot about that today. Because as we move through the, the Gospel of John, and if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open up to, to John. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 3, uh, the middle part of it. Uh, but as you move through the Gospel of John, you'll see about 40 proclamations of the Gospel, about what Jesus has done, and, and different ways to different people, and those kind of things. Uh, and what we see, too, is not only have we just seen the Gospel, hopefully if you've been with us, you've heard more than the Gospel, but you've heard, well, this is how our lives should look different. This is how we ought to live. This is how we ought to walk this out. And so my hope is that you not just heard the gospel, hopefully you've heard the gospel, but that you respond to the gospel, that you understand it. So in John chapter 3, we're going to be picking up in in verse 14, really getting into verse 16, because maybe some of you last week thought, well, why didn't we get to 16? Because we're getting into it today. But I want to remind you that Jesus is still in this conversation with this religious leader, this guy who was banking on his, his physical birth, to, to make it in, to be good enough. And what we find that Jesus says to, to this ruler, this Nicodemus, this religious guy, he says, you need to be born again. Not only you need to be born again, you must be born again. And so you have this guy that says, wait, 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 wait. All my life has been about being religious. All my life has been about doing good things. All my life has been about learning the scriptures and, and, and understanding and getting all this knowledge. And now Jesus, you're telling me What? Uh, that that physical birth that meant everything to me, that gave me all this clout, means nothing? Jesus says, yeah, you, you need to be born again. Not just born again, not physically born again. You need to be spiritually born again. Born from above. That what we find last week, we found out last week that our physical birth doesn't mean anything. It's our spiritual birth that means everything. We mentioned this last week, and if you did your homework, you saw these verses, but I want to read these verses because they're going to come back into play again today. But if you're in John chapter 3, look at verse 14. 
Remember that Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. You must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, what are you talking about? Like, I have to do what? And he says, look, let me try to explain it in physical, way, physical terms. And Nicodemus says, I still don't get it. And then Jesus gets to verse 14. And this is significant. And it's interesting. He says in verse 14, and as Moses, now remember, Jesus is talking to this religious leader who understood and had memorized, if not most, much of the Old Testament, knew the scriptures, knew the scriptures, not just, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's somewhere knew the scriptures and so Jesus says to this guy just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life now you and I are sitting here like I don't know what you're talking about and even some of you that have been around church are like yeah I still don't know what you're talking about but in Numbers chapter 21 what you see is that there the people of God were being disobedient and God allowed snakes yeah snakes you thought COVID was bad. He allowed snakes to come into the camp and start biting people, and, and they were killing them. God has a way of getting our attention, doesn't he? That sometimes we look at COVID and we're like, how many of us need to say, God, what are you trying to teach me in this time? But God allowed snakes into the camp, and guess what the people did? Moses, tell God, it's our bad. I'm sorry. Please do something about this. And what does God tell them to do? God tells Moses, I want you to make a serpent out of bronze, and I want you to put it on a pole, and I want you to raise it up. And everyone that looks at that serpent in faith, and I know it sounds weird, but looks at that serpent in faith, they would be, if they were bitten, they wouldn't, they wouldn't die. And so the cool thing is, is what Jesus does is he says, Nicodemus, you remember that story from number? You remember that story? Let me tell you something, that that's pointing to me. That just like the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, and if people looked at it, they would they believe they would be healed, that they would not die. The same thing is true that when the Son of Man is lifted up, when I am lifted up, and we know, looking back, that when I am lifted up on the cross, and people look at faith, in faith, at me, and believe in me, not only will they physically, you may not be physically healed, but we're talking spiritually, they're going to be healed. It's a great picture. And when you understand the context, you understand what Jesus is saying and how he's speaking to Nicodemus right where he is. You say, wow, that's, that's pretty powerful. I'm going to read through some familiar verses. For some of you that have been around church, uh, these are not unfamiliar verses. Some of you didn't, maybe didn't realize that Jesus was the one that was saying these words. And some of you maybe have heard of John 3.16, right? You've watched football and it's in the end zone. John 3.16, this is what they're referring to. And I want you to understand this comes on the heels of Jesus saying, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so when the Son of Man is lifted up, that they will be healed, that, they would, uh, that their lives would be changed, that they would have eternal life. He says this. Before he says this, let me say this. There's a word that I want you to key in on, and that word is whoever. And whoever means anyone. Anyone. Any background, any color, any smell, any political party, any struggle, any pain, any person who looks on in faith and believes will be saved, will be born again. Anyone. How many of you are in anyone? Me too. 
For some of you, there's hope for you yet. (laughs) For some of me, there's hope for you yet. Listen to that hope. As Jesus is speaking these words, he says, For God so loved the world, and maybe this is better said this way, that this is how God loved the world he gave. My prayer for you is that, especially if this is familiar to you, that this begins to break you down. Not that you walk out of church and you're like, oh, I'm so crying. I mean, well, some of us, but, but the rest of you. That this would get to the heart of who you are. Because if you say that you're a Christ follower, this is your Savior speaking these words. This is the message of hope for you and for me. That this is how God loved you. He gave. And remember, Jesus is speaking these words that He gave His only Son that whoever, anyone, any political party, any person, anyone who believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Listen to these words. But in order that the world might be saved through Him, Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Think about Nicodemus. When did he come to Jesus? At night, in the darkness. Just a picture. And I got to imagine that Jesus knows what he's saying. And he's speaking to the heart of Nicodemus. Verse 20, For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever, whoever, does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. For all of us, what I want us to see this morning is that there truly is a God who loves you God's love for you is seen in Jesus, and this love calls for a response. And I'm going to give you three things this morning. If you have a study guide, I encourage you to use it because it helps to kind of remember the things we're talking about. But I'm going to give you the evidence real quick of God's love. Look back at John 3.16. <laughs> you want to see the evidence of God's love, that God loved the world, God loved you, God loved me so much that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That this is how God loved you, he gave. This is how God loved me, he gave. The evidence of God's love is the gift of Jesus. The evidence of God's love is the action that he took. I want you to, to see this, that the evidence of love is found in the action. And you know this to be true because some of you are married, or some of you are in a relationship. And if your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend said, hey, I love you, and then they turned around and, and walked away, didn't talk to you anymore, punched you in the face, whatever it is, there's, there's a problem, isn't there? I might say that I love you, but if my actions don't back up what I'm saying, then I really don't love you. Because it's not really about the words that I say so much as the things that I do. I mean, how do you know that someone loves you? because he told me. No, it's because he gave me. He gave me flowers. He brought me lunch. He, she did. That's how I know. We use the word love a lot, don't we? Man, I love pizza. Mm. Mm. I love 
my dog. I hesitated for a second. Yeah. (laughs) I love my wife. I don't love pizza like I love my wife. (laughs) I don't think I, I don't think I do. I really don't love pizza either. It's just... But it makes sense. Like, we use this word, but I want you to hear, but what if I, what if I said, I love pizza, but I never ate it? <laughs> what if I said, I, I love my wife, but I never, I never showed her that I love her? There's a disconnect, isn't there? Because it's more than words. <laughs> it's my action speaking love to my wife, it's my action speaking love, words to the words of love to those that are around me. Because love is a verb. It's the evidence of my love. And I want you to know that God loves you. And I, it's so easy to say, isn't it? God loves you. But I want you to stop and think that there is this being, this eternal being who exists, who created you. And for some of you, you may not be there yet. You're like, okay, I'm not sure. But I just want you to stop for a second and just, I want you to hear that there is a being, a God who loves you, who created you, who knows you. That in the commotion of heaven, in the commotion of his presence where these beings are shouting out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And that's all that they can say. He knows you. Not only does he know you, he loves you. And for some of us, that's a stretch, or we feel like it isn't. Like he can't love me. Like, if, like I know what I've done. I know, I know. The Bible says that he knows the number of hairs on your head. That's pretty intimate. I don't know the number of hairs on my wife's head. <laughs> but God loves you. And it's not just lip service. We see in John three sixteen that God loves you. And he loves you so much that he gave. Romans, let me read the first part of this before I get to there. But for while we were still weak, this is before this verse, while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He died for us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. I mean, that's what, what Paul is saying, is that you wouldn't necessarily give up your life. Well, maybe if he was or she was like I, it's so valuable that I might lay down my life for them. But what we see in Romans 5, 8 is that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still enemies, while we still wanted nothing to do with God, God wanted everything to do with us. What you need to be reminded of today, and I need to be reminded of today, especially you've been around church, is that salvation is free, but it's not cheap. We talk about it's a free gift of God, and that's the truth, but we often don't realize or think about that it costs Jesus everything. That we can't save ourselves. We think that. <laughs> but we learn that there's nothing that can save us. That in and of ourselves, we are not righteous. We are not good enough. It's really about God's free gift. For God, for the grace that you uh, have, for by grace, there's the right way. You've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one may boast. That we can do nothing to earn God's favor. It's what God has done. And my faith in him. 
the evidence of God's love for us, the evidence of God's love for you, the evidence of God's love for me is Jesus. That's it. (laughs) The second thing, the expression of God's love, look at verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The, the Jews, Nicodemus, the religious people of that day were waiting for this Messiah, this one to come to overthrow the government and make all things just come in like the Terminator and like take care of everything. Jesus says, I'm not coming to give you physical relief. I'm coming to give you spiritual relief. I'm coming to change everything. But the crazy thing is, is my kingdom is not a physical kingdom. My kingdom is an invisible kingdom. My kingdom is a spiritual kingdom because what really matters, what really matters, what really matters is God's kingdom. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much prestige you have. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. What really matters, as we learned last week and as we'll hear a little bit this week, is that we need to be born again. God sent Jesus not to condemn us because the reality is you may not believe this you may not realize this yet but we are condemned all of us stand condemned already we are at odds we are separated from God because of our sin that's what all of our like when we are born into this world physically that's our our standing we see this in Genesis chapter 3 even if you haven't been around church you've heard of Adam and Eve right good. All two of you have heard of Adam and Eve. The rest of you have heard as well. But what you see is that they said, you know what, we're going to, we want to do things our own way. And they fell away from God. And they, and that's how sin entered the equation. And so that when you were born, when I am born, that we are born sinners. And that sin has separated us from God. But the beautiful thing is, is that God loves you and God loves me. And he did everything so that I might be forgiven so that you might be forgiven by faith in Jesus. What you do in this life determines, what choice you make here determines your destiny, determines your eternity. The Bible is very clear that you have this life. For my soap opera friends, you have one life to live. (laughs) That when you step into eternity, the choices that you make here affect what happens in eternity. Rejection of Jesus, not believing in Jesus, means an eternity separated from God. Because I want you to hear this today, because some of you maybe have come in believing this. God doesn't send bad people to hell. Hell is our default destination. I want that to sink in. I don't mean to be so heavy. (laughs) But I I want you to understand the truth of what God tells us in his word. God doesn't say, eh, yeah, eh, eh. This is all of our destinations. And when we are born as sinners, that hell is our default destination. I don't say that with pride. I don't say that with like, gotcha. (laughs) I say that as this is our reality. And shame on us, shame on me, shame on the church that wouldn't stand 
in the place and say, look, <laughs> let's not talk about how you feel. And all. I mean, I get it, feelings. And we talk about stuff that we talk about relevant things often. But we must talk about the reality of hell. Again, welcome to church. <laughs> and I say that to bring some levity, but I say that because it's the reality, it's the truth, and it's the truth whether you believe it or not. That hell is our default destination. It's a real place, and it's real judgment, and it's really coming for those that don't believe in Jesus. And it's not my opinion, and it's not something like, hey, you know what, this is what I, I made up, that this is what Jesus tells us, and he talks a lot about hell judgment and torture and punishment because of our sin. But the beautiful thing is, the thing that we often miss is that, that God understand, understands that, understood that, and from eternity past already had the remedy. And just like it was foreshadowed with the bronze serpent pointing to Jesus, Jesus says, that if, when I am raised up and people look on my death, burial, and resurrection to satisfy the requirements of a holy God. And they believe in me. Not just believe like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus, but, but put on and say that all that Jesus did and has done for me, I want to receive that as payment for my sin. Thank you, Lord. That I can be forgiven and I can be free. You can be forgiven and you can be free. To not, to not follow Jesus is making the decision to, for an eternity separated from God. And again, it's not to stand here like, but it's to tell you the truth. Because it's spoken in love. Because it's my reality too, that this is, before Jesus, this was my default destination. And I have nothing to stand on except for Christ. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Who am I? <laughs> Who are you? I'm thankful that God is good. And that all the time, God is good. And that he is loving, and that he is gracious, and that he is merciful. Yes, he is holy. Yes, he demands uh, judgment in the sense of where there's wrong, but he has made the way in Jesus for us to be forgiven. He has provided the antidote, the remedy, that when the Israelites were getting bitten by snakes and they were dying physically, God provided the remedy. When we who suffer from sin sickness, that when we pass out of this life because of our sin, we're separated from God because hell is our default destination. God himself didn't say, if you can be good enough, if you can try hard enough, if you can be religious enough, if you can, can convince me that you're worthy to be with me, then I'll welcome you into my presence. <laughs> Scripture tells us that you are not good, and I'm not good, and it's not be, like to tear you down. It's just spiritually we are in a bad place, separated from God. And God knew that, and God did everything to make it right. That's the hope of the gospel. Because left unto ourselves, we have no hope. <laughs> the last thing, the effect of God's love. is that in Jesus, through Jesus, because of Jesus, Jesus alone, not Jesus plus, 
we can be forgiven. Look at verse 17. 18, how about we do that one? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe and is condemned already, why is he condemned already? Because hell is our default destination. It's not that God is saying, you're bad and you're good. He's like, you are all bad. But I have done everything so that you might be good by faith. That whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And remember that John is writing, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and by believing you may find life in his name. That's why John is writing. That's why Jesus is saying the things that he's saying, that you and I might find life. To condemn means to judge a person to be guilty and liable for punishment. This may be a familiar verse to some of you. Romans tells us, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Because of my sin, I fall short of God's glory. I miss the mark. We're not innocent, but I want you to hear today that in Jesus, you can be declared righteous. In Jesus, you can be declared innocent. In Jesus, your account can be stamped, paid in full. And this is not condemned is in the present tense. And that means something significant to you and me today. There's my calendar. Oh, there you go. I'll tell you about that later. Uh, it's in the present tense, meaning that my righteousness, my goodness because of Jesus, my forgiveness because of Jesus is not coming someday. It is coming today. That I am forgiven and I'm free and I stand righteous and I stand holy in God's sight today because of what Christ has done. And really the effect of God's love is it draws a line in the spiritual sand for all of us. Because in reality, and I know this is going to bump up against what some of you believe, but I'm going to tell you what Scripture says. And then you, it's really on up to you to make the decision. But what, what Scripture tells us, what Jesus tells us, what God tells us in His Word, is that there really are only two options when it comes to eternity, when it comes to forgiveness. There are two options. Either I trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sin, or I don't. That don't can look like, well, I'm a good person. I'm religious. I go to church. I do these things. I give money. I, I try to keep the Ten Commandments. I do this stuff. Every choice that is not Jesus is a choice that's not Jesus. And what we find in Scripture is that it is Christ alone. And I want you to hear today, because I don't, I hope I'm not coming across condemning, because that's not my heart. But if that you're here, and you are here today, or you're watching online, and you're just not there yet, and you're like, uh, I'm not ready to, to jump in, I want you to know that you are welcome in this place. That no one stands at the door and like gives you that eye. Hopefully when you came in, you were greeted with a smile and people actually genuinely were glad that you're here because I hope that that's, that's the tone that we want to set. Not because we're being fake, because that's who we really want to be. But we want Northampton to be a place where you can come and just be yourself. And you could say, you know what? Not there yet. <laughs> Don't know if I believe that yet. Keep searching. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. 
we want you to take steps toward Christ. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship, if you're not trusting in him for the forgiveness of your sin, we want you to take steps toward Christ. And we want to do all that we can to make that happen. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you're trusting him for the forgiveness of your sin, we want you to take steps toward Christ-likeness. And we're going to do all that we can to help you with that. There's no secret agenda. And if there was, I just let the secret out. <laughs> That's what we're about. I mean, we joke in the pre-service about doing Ed McMahon or whatever. Like, it's not about the show. It's not about, hey, Larry, you did a great job. You did a... It's not about any of that. It's all we're trying to do is point you to Jesus. If the worship points you to Jesus, we've done our job. If what I say points you to Jesus, I've done my job. If you come up at me like, man, those words that you said were really good words. I'm like, okay, what's God doing in those? We have a, we have a bigger focus than just trying to, to make Sunday morning happen. Because we are all sinners in need of a Savior. All of us. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And he means it. <laughs> and that's the truth. And I say this often, but the truth is the truth, whether you believe it or not. And I don't say that in a cocky way. I don't say that in a prideful way. I'm telling you that this is what Scripture says to us. And we can either choose to believe it or not believe it. I believe that it is the truth. And it's going to be the truth whether you believe it or I believe it or not. But my hope is and my prayer is for you that you believe it. Look at verse 19 real quick. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. You probably have seen that in your lifetime. <laughs> you might see that in your own life. You might see that in your home. You might see that in your community. And it's not to call judgment. I'm telling you that, that when you don't have the light of Christ in your life, darkness seems okay. But when Jesus breaks through and light shines into all that darkness, and you're like, oh, I don't, I don't like what I see. And the cool thing is, and you need to hear this, God says, I, let me come in and clean things up. We come to Jesus just as we are. And we let him clean us up. That's why we don't want you to come to church and act like you look and act like you follow Jesus before you follow Jesus. <laughs> There's not that expectation. I just want you to be you. And let God change you. Because we're not interested in trying to change your behavior. Like, just look like a Christian so you're good. You're not going to fake God out. We're really about heart transformation. God, change my heart. For everyone who does wicked things, this is verse 20, hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. Jesus is being pretty, pretty transparent here. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that, purpose statement, it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. The light in a, Jesus came to be a light in a dark world, and we too are to be lights to a dark world. Look at these verses that Jesus has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. God has done this in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Second Peter 2.9 says call, that Jesus came to call us out of darkness and into marvelous light. John chapter 8, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. <laughs> 
And if you feel like you're walking in darkness, you feel like you're walking in hopelessness, you feel like you're walking in helplessness, Jesus is the answer. Jesus has given everything, and he has come to bring everything to give us life. And there is a line in the spiritual sand for all of us. And I believe in so many words that that God will really say, when you stand before him, what did you do with Jesus? That's not in the Bible. I'm telling you in a sense that that's really what it comes down to. Because when I stand in judgment before a holy God, mind you, who has done everything to make me holy, who has made the way to make me holy, and I stand before him, and they say, God would say, what did you do with Jesus? I, I tried to be a good person, and I did all this good stuff. And Scripture tells us your righteousness, the best that you can do is like filthy rags. It's disgusting. It's gross. You can't do it. I hope that you hear today that, that you hear that God loved you so much that he gave, that he made the way that it was because of him that you can have life. To me, that just takes off so much pressure. <laughs> I don't know about you, but for me, that when I stand in the presence of God, I know that I don't have to try. It doesn't mean I walk around like, I don't care, whatever, God. But I, God, I am, I'm sorry for my sin, and God is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. God is faithful. God is faithful in, in sending Christ. God is faithful in all that he has done. That God is good, and God is merciful, and God is gracious. God We saw this last week. We've seen this many times. If you've been around, you've seen this. I just want to remind you, because we talk, we're, we're done with this, but I want you to see the beauty of the gospel today, uh, that what we talk about is trusting Jesus as Savior, that it's important that you do that. It's the most important decision that you'll ever make. You've been around church. You've heard other pastors say something very similar. I'm telling you this, not because it's the company line. I'm telling you this because this is the only hope that you have. When it comes to spiritually speaking, when it comes to uh, our eternity, when it comes to your eternity, this is the only hope you have is Jesus. And we talk about this being a two-sided coin, and I, I feel strongly the need to just to tell you both of these things, because if you've been around church at all, you've heard this, trust Jesus as Savior, trust Him as Savior, trust Him as Savior, pray this prayer so you don't go to hell. I'm not telling you to pray this prayer so you don't go to hell. I'm telling you that hell is your default destination and God has done everything to make it possible for you to be forgiven and for you to be free. It's trusting in Christ alone. But it doesn't stop there. We want it to stop there because what we say is, yes, of course I believe Jesus died for me. Of course I receive him as my, I want him to be my savior and I'm going to go live my life. When I was eight years old, I did that. When I was six years old in VBS, I did that. When I was 13, I did that at church camp. Yeah, yeah, I did all that but I'm telling you, your life should look different. The gospel should lead to godliness. That if you say you follow Jesus, your life should reflect the fact that you follow Jesus. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but you really should obey him as Lord. But regardless of where you are right now, regardless if you say, yeah, you know what? (laughs) I hear what you're saying, not there. I want you to know that it's okay 
there should be some urgency because as I found out through this season of friends of mine, they didn't know that it was going to be their last day. They didn't know they were going to go to bed and not wake up. We're not guaranteed our next breath. And that's not to, to scare you. That's not to say, oh, you better. I'm just telling you that's the reality that we all face. And the Bible says that we have to die once and then comes judgment. And the only way that we stand to not be guilty in God's presence is faith in Christ. That's it. And this, the beauty of the gospel. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it enough today, may God just pound that into your mind, the beauty of the gospel and the love that he has for you, that he would do everything, everything, because he loves you that much. But I invite you to be, number one, I invite you to explore faith. I invite you to, if you say, ah, I think what you're saying is, I don't believe it at all, I invite you to come back. Continue to, to hear what John has to say. If you do have faith, that you'd say, okay, you know what, I've been, I've been trusting Jesus as Savior, but I haven't been following him as Lord. My life doesn't reflect it. I want you to be there. I want to help you in that. We want to help together as a, as a faith community to do that. Because we're all there. We all struggle. And the reality is that God's love for us is seen in Jesus, and it calls for a response.